the scoreline when you looked at it like looks like a hammering. And it was a hammering though. They scored 28 points in about three minutes and we couldn't stop them. You know, okay, so it was a hammering. But there's there's different levels of hammerings here. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. Yes, you're very welcome along to this week's episode of Friday Night Racing. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Visit hri.ie. Love every racing moment. And the hashtag is every racing moment. Uh, I'm delighted to say our guest this week is John Allen. John, good afternoon to you. How are you? Yeah, come on. Good day, Jar. How are you? Yeah, good. Also with us as ever, Johnny Ward. Johnny, how are you? Hey, Jar, how are you getting on? Very good. Uh, John, you're on holidays, but not really. You're like uh, the hardest working man in, in racing. Uh, you've come all the way from the other side of the world and you've decided that you need to get back on a horse. Oh, uh, yeah, look, a little bit of a working holiday, I suppose. Um, yeah, look, I've, I've had a bit of time off, so uh, I'm away for nine weeks. So I suppose trying to keep my uh, eye in a little bit. Was it always your intention when you so just for people who don't know you you've been uh, down in Australia for a while and we'll get to that in a minute but when you come back up was it always your intention to try and get a few rides here just to keep the eye in or were you like uh, getting a little bit itchy? Yeah, look a little bit. Not look normally when I come home I, I only get home for two or three weeks so kind of I made the decision this year with um obviously with COVID I haven't been home with with three years I, I was going to try and spend a bit more time at home so yeah look, look probably nine weeks is a long time to have off so um. Yeah, just trying to keep my my eye in a little bit. With COVID, a lot of us uh, tried to integrate new things into our lives, some successfully, some less so successfully. Have you thought about maybe coming back to live in Ireland or is it actually not really on your radar at all? You're kind of happy where you are. How's that working out? Yeah, look, probably not at this stage. Um, look, I'm, I'm going pretty well over there. I'm actually I'm engaged to an Australian girl, so um, I'm not sure if I could convince her to... Um, come live in Cork for the winter but um, look we'll see how we go I'm, at the moment I'm happy enough and going well over there so um, but you never know what the future might hold we all know that's the end of that there's no chance <laughs> I'll just, just bring her out for the summer one see, see her and let her see the best side of the country yeah West Cork in summer you could convince somebody to move down there but I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure Australians like our winters so much it's not quite the fair trade off Probably not, probably not. But anyway, we'll see how we go. So where, have you got anything specifically booked? Or are you, how are you getting rides over the next few weeks? Make your pitch oh, here, because we know the entire racing community tunes in on a Friday afternoon or a Friday evening, so go for it. Oh, look, it's pretty tough going, to be honest. Um, like, uh, obviously, there's very few spare rides going. Most yards have their jockeys, so look, to be honest, I'm just relying on a few friends of mine and lads I maybe used to ride for years ago to... Give me a few rides, so look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overly worried on how many rides I can get. Just, um, yeah, look, obviously, Galway's coming up. I'd like to have a couple of rides around there, and uh, we'll see how we go from there. Has, has the scene changed much uh, when you returned, Johnny? Was it much the same as you remember it? Oh, look, I never even rode in the flat when I was here, really. So, um, certainly, a lot of new faces in the jockeys room. Any, or plenty of young lads running around there. That I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who was who, but um, yeah, look. Plenty of old faces around too, so uh, you know it was good to catch up with um, a lot of lads that I hadn't, I hadn't probably met in a long time. What was it like being back in the rain, in the rain room in Ireland? Um, yeah, look, probably a bit different. As I said, like, like it's completely different way room than what, when I was around. Like it's it's been a good ten years now since I've probably ridden on a full time basis over here. So um, and that was over jumps as well. So 
flatway rooms. There's a few old, old faces there, but um, certainly not a lot of new, younger lads that are trying to get up through the ranks. It's um, you know, interesting. Obviously, you went to the say uh, to Australia, and had such a a success of it. But you know, I, I guess you were just one of a number of jockeys when you left. That it was just it wasn't easy because of the golden generation of jockeys you were riding with at that time. Yeah, look, like when I went initially, I never had the intention of probably staying this long, but it was just a case of, look, I wasn't doing very great at home and it was becoming a bit of a struggle and it was just kind of a change of scenery, see how things went. And um, yeah, luckily enough, it, it did work out for me and look, I'm still there 10 years later. So um, yeah, look, it can, be, uh, it can be a tough game when things aren't going well. So uh, sometimes you have to... I suppose look outside the box a little bit. Tell us a little bit how, about that. Go on, yeah, sorry. Yeah, same thing, Jer. Actually, yeah. How long we? How long was it in the process? So in your mind, like I might do this, and how long did it take you to convince yourself to do it? A little bit. Like to be honest, I always had it in my. Obviously, when you're a jockey, you're kind of thrown into straight away out of school, into working with horses, and you never really get a whole lot of time off. Maybe a week here, a week there to to, to, to um you know, go on holidays or somewhere like that. But but I always had a bit of a interest in doing a bit of travelling and seeing a bit of the world. So I suppose it took a while to really nail down and, and say I'd go somewhere. But um at the time I remember I, I had a few friends in Australia who were who were enjoying it out there and um the eventual push I got actually there was actually an advertisement on the on the racing post one week looking for jump jockeys to come to Australia. So um at the time I'm not sure who rang me. I think Stephen Gray might have rang me. He, he decided he was going and I think myself, Stephen and um, Kenny Whelan actually headed out at the same time. So at that time, I was only planning going for six months. See, their jump season only lasts for six months over there. So it was just a case to see, you know, what you get on. I, I felt I had nothing to lose. And um, yeah, look, I came back after the six months and I had done quite well. So I decided I'd um, kind of try and move out there on a permanent basis. I think that was 2012 and try and make a go of it. So the six months were actually the bit that it was like a trial period for you. You know, do I like it out here? Am I good out here? And actually that both both ended up going quite well. Is it easy enough then when you decide that you want to go back to get visas and all that sorted out? Um, it can be a bit of... Yeah, look, once you go through the right processes and do everything right, it, it, it can be... I think it, it's okay for your first couple of years, but when you start looking into trying to become a resident and obviously I'm a citizen now, um, it can be a bit bit more difficult but um once you do everything by the book it, it, it's um I, I didn't find it too difficult anyway obviously i had people helping me and it does cost a bit of money but um it was uh, certainly worth it i was gonna say i think it also helps when you're successful that's the the, the australians they they do love people to come and uh, and add to uh, the success of the nation, which is obviously we should talk about that now. Before I get on to how well it's gone for you in Australia, will you talk us a bit about how you actually got into racing? Because you, you kind of said you went straight from school into racing. Had had you been like, was it jockey a dream job of yours when you were five, six, seven years of age? Um, probably not when I was that young, but I always had an interest. We, we um, I played a lot of sports as a kid, and my father had us off playing every sport under the sun, really hurling, football, handball, and was um more we had no direct involvement in racing but we were we were always involved we always had ponies and used to hunting and um pony club my mother and a few people actually set up the local pony club when we when we were kids I give them a mention um Ireland Pony Club I think they're 30 years running next year so um yeah so we always had ponies 
no direct involvement in racing. We used to go to like the local point to points and maybe few the local racetracks once or twice a year. But um, it wasn't until I was probably thirteen or fourteen, and I got a, I got just a, a summer job and kind of a job on the weekends with um local trainer Sean O'Brien, who was just down the road from my place at home, and um, kind of from there, then I got it a little bit more interest in the racing side of things and um, got into the pony racing and stuff like that. And yeah, from there on then, it was just a case of um, wanting to be a jockey. And how quickly did you progress through the ranks? So you, when you leave school, is it automatic? That's it. That's what we're doing. Is that a conversation with your Mac? Oh, and it's your fault you set up the pony club. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, look, pretty, pretty much. They, they were always quite supportive. Um, um, look, they, they made sure I finished school all, all right, but... Uh, yeah, I'd done a two or three years pony racing and um, I think I think my last year of pony racing, I was just finished school maybe and I, I got injured and I think but once that pony racing season was over, I, I got my conditional licence and um, yeah, worked, done a few months for Pat Doyle and then um, went working for Frances Crowley originally, but um, she moved to the Curra, I was only there a couple of months and then for um, her father, Joseph Crowley. Okay, and so when you were again at that stage deciding and doing pony racing, was it always going to be jumps? Was it National Hunt automatically? In retrospect, might you have gone in the flat direction if you'd known you were going to be as good at it? Yeah, a little bit. Look, I suppose it was just my upbringing. I was kind of, I'm from like middle of Cork and um, no one had any interest in flat racing down there. Um, We were always going to point to points and jump racing and I suppose that's what I probably earned to be as what was a jump jockey maybe if I was growing up in the car or something like that I, I might have gone down the, the flat route initially but um, yeah I suppose that's that's kind of what I what I dream, dreamt of when I was a kid or when I was like out hunting the ponies or drag hunts or whatever you'd be doing and so when you how, how was your weight at that time then Johnny? sorry? how was your weight when you started off? Um, I, I was probably a bit over nine stone probably not like but nine stone nine nine I was able to claim off minimum at that stage was nine seven claiming seven off it, so I was able to do that comfortable enough when I started. So um, I was probably around around the nine stone mark, I reckon. And who were the senior jockeys in the weighing room when you started? Who were the senior? Well, I suppose um, Charlie Swan might have just just be coming to the end. He might have ridden for a little bit. Obviously, you had Ruby and Barry Gerdy were were kind of hitting their peak at that stage, and um. People like Shea Barry, Tommy Tracy, all those lads. Um, yeah, there was no shortage of good riders there. Yeah. It's super competitive to be going into that environment. And is that intimidating? Is that inspiring? How did you respond to that? Yeah, look, it's probably intimidating initially, but you kind of have to aspire to be to be like them and be as good as them. Um, you, you know, they, they were obviously riding a tougher game, so you always try to learn as much as you could from them and were you good Is, like when you look back were you like, at, at what oh. point do you go I am I can do this uh, now look probably I had good success initially as, as a conditional and I, ran, I think it was my first season riding or I was second to um, Robert Power in the, in, in the conditional title but um, kind of look once my claim went I kind of quite known a little bit for me maybe I should have could have done and should have done a few things differently, but look for whatever reason it, it didn't work out. Um, who knows if, if I'd have been going better and 
riding winners I might have never ended up in Australia and become as successful as they did so uh, yeah well, when you met the missions springs and roundabouts oh, totally yeah but it, it's interesting to look back on those because they're always sliding door moments when you say done things differently would you have tried to hold on to your claim a bit longer maybe um, yeah look possibly or maybe look just move 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 to, to England or look I don't know look lo- there's loads of things you could have done different but um, look I'm happy with the way things worked out there's, there's always something's you look back at it and say maybe you should have done this or should have done that, but uh, prefer to look forward and back most of the time. Yeah, no problems. Uh, I will, we will ask you to look back a little bit on your time in Australia. Cause, <laughs> so how do you go from being a jump jockey in Australia those first six months and then, okay, it's a short season. Is that the automatic thing? If you want to stay, you have to get on the flat? Yeah, look, no, I suppose I, went, I rode, went out in 2011 initially, rode, rode the jump season there. It's a pretty limited, it's a bit like America, like there's limited races. There's probably only 70 or 80 jump races a season. Um, and kind of when I came back then the following year, kind of towards the back end of the jump season, when I decided I was going to stay on, like jump season there probably runs from March to September. So when I decided I was going to stay on from September on, I, I thought I might try just work a bit harder, get my weight down and see could I um, start getting a few rides in the flat. Look, it, it was pretty slow process initially I was only baiting around the bushes they said over there and just like um, riding probably limited horses limited races but look it was it was a slow process but um, gradually started getting better rides and um, a few winners and it just kind of snowballed from there and how how did that happen well like if you look back now what's the what's the break that takes you off the mediocre horses and gets you on the good ones just I suppose just work hard continue riding winners and look I got support some good trainers and um, I was lucky probably in, in my when I arrived over there I worked for a trainer that kind of was on the up and he went from probably having 80 or 90 horses when I started to, to, to up to three and 400 horses in work by the time in, in the space of three or four years so as his business grew he probably um, provided me with more opportunities as well What's the racing uh, landscape like over there compared to here actually? Um Look, it, I always say, like, it's, it's, there's a lot of racing. It, it's quite, when you consider, like, Australia, obviously, it's a very big country. It, it's got a pop, but it only has a population of 20 million, which is, mm. well, I don't know what, what you call, that's probably, like, four or five times the size of Ireland or population of Ireland. But every Saturday, there's a minimum of nearly 20 race meetings on, like, and look, they're in different pockets of the country. And say, you kind of ride where you're based. You don't, you don't necessarily travel a huge amount so say for instance I'm based in Victoria which is probably say that's outside Melbourne and Victoria and New South Wales are probably the, the main racing hubs but like they all race every day of the week and maybe two or three meetings of a Saturday so there is no shortage of racing there and it's it's quite it's a it's a very big industry for like, I suppose like here for the, for the size of the country and the pop, for the population of the country I'd say it's a very big industry and you see the challenges facing, we say, like US racing, you know, tracks are closing down and a lot of drug issues over there and just like struggling to keep people, I suppose, interested. And in the game, you see in the UK, um, catastrophic field sizes again this week, massive, massive concerns. It seems like in Australia, it, it, it just seems on a, on a firmer footing there, maybe with the betting industry as well. Yeah, look, I, I think that's the real probably winner for them is the levies they have on all, on all the Bettings like on uh, obviously they have on all the betting pools. There's a certain levy paid back in into racing, which is 
And to be honest, they are a pretty bit mad country. So, um, look, there's a lot of money getting reinvested in, in the industry. So, um, yeah, as you said, like a lot, a lot of the racing organizations are, are going from strength to strength over there. And like they're, they're kind of our, I, I've never been to Australia, but they're kind of like betting terminals and pubs and stuff like that. Is that right? Yeah. So like the main, so say for instance, you have your Paddy Power, Ladbrokes here, like that's all online over there. There's no like all the betting terminals in the pubs. They're called TABs, which would be equivalent to your tote here, I suppose. Like, um, like so that's all owned. I, I, look, I, I don't know the complete ins and outs of it now, but as far as like they're definitely owned by the racing industry or the racing bodies and, and everything that's kind of made out of that or the, tur- the turnover and that is, is is kind of pumped back into into racing and sports and um, even I believe like even the online gambling like they all have to have to a certain percentage has to be um, given back to the industry so I, I suppose yeah. that's why the industry has been able to thrive, thrive at the moment it's interesting, Ger. There was a race in, um, I think there was a race tomorrow in, I forget the track, I think it might be Newbury, that was essentially boycotted um, by trainers because the prize money was so low. And it's prize money is a massive problem in, in Britain. But over there, as Johnny is saying, that basically they um, they have a, a tote system that works really well. But even bookmakers in New South Wales, for example, are compelled to lay a, a certain amount, a minimum, uh, on, on horse racing. So you don't have the pathetic restrictions that are imposed on punters over here for like winning a few quid here or there. So like Australia, we, there's definitely an awful lot for us to learn if we could um, follow their road, I think. So it feels, Johnny, from what you're saying, that uh, the racing industry is on a very sound footing and that it's an industry that can look forward with some certainty. Yeah, certainly. Um, look, some of the New South Wales and Victoria are definitely um, to the forefront of that. They're, they're probably the biggest industry. So, so maybe some of the smaller regions where the interests are there mightn't you know the smaller clubs might be getting weaned out a small bit but uh, look that's kind of the way everything's going these days isn't it it's just, um, the big the big get bigger and the, the small lads can, can struggle to survive sometimes but um, yeah look look, it's certainly thriving at the moment there's been no decrease in prize money in the last since I've been there anyhow it's just been um, upgraded every year so uh, it's certainly going well so apart from the fact that your timing was good in, in getting in with a trainer who's gone through a transformational period in the numbers of, of horses that he has, and you would assume the quality goes up with that number as well, you obviously have to change from being a jump jockey to a flat jockey. Is there anything different for you, or is it actually just the same job uh, in terms of how you train, in terms of how you think about approaching the race tactically? Were there differences you had to make, or did it actually just be, for you, it was a, a seamless... It's the same scale, essentially. Yeah, look, the fundamentals, I think, are pretty much the same. The big thing was just my weight. Like, I really had to work on it and, and still do. Like, so when I went for, I probably went for 25 or six years eating what I liked and never having to worry about what I had to eat or anything like that, or to, to probably restricting what I had to eat and uh, just be, being, being, being a lot more healthier and I suppose watching what I eat and uh, made sure that uh, I, I went up from, I went from never weighing myself to getting up every morning just jumping on a scale to see what weight I was. So, um, yeah, look, I suppose that was definitely the main, the main difference. How did you do that? Was that like get in touch with a dietitian or was it just read books? Was it talk to other jockeys? Or how, how do you actually, because it, it's a, you know, it's a fundamental, the weight loss industry is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. Some people are very good at it and the rest of us aren't. 
Yeah, look, it's it's. I suppose you can get look pockets of information from different people, but but eventually you kind of learn what your body can do and can't do, and what you can cope with. And look, you 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 um you can surprise yourself what your body's capable of doing when you um when when you do it. So. Look, I kind of do what works for me. Uh, I try to eat healthy. I, I won't say I starve myself or anything like that. I, I kind of prefer to work it off rather than rather than not eat. But um, look, I just had to make a few changes, and uh, I suppose just once you can keep pretty disciplined, um, it, it certainly works. When you say what work- advice would you give to people like listening in who they've no interest necessarily in racing or sport, but actually do want to lose weight? Discipline, said, which is hard to be like. It's easy for me to say discipline when when I'm like it's a lot easy for have when you have a goal, you know. So I've an end goal to make this weight, and you know that's my job. Like it's, it, I suppose I can find it hard if I if I'm not riding on the weekend, I'm not riding night to 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 stay disciplined. But um, I think just just discipline and and. And exercise as well obviously makes a huge difference. I was but um, gonna ask about that. So when I you say like you still you still you still gotta enjoy like I don't completely rule out bad stuff. Like I still eat some chocolate and like you still have to enjoy what you eat. Sometimes I think I think if your diet is too boring, it becomes um, too monotonous altogether. Yeah. After it, Tommy Walsh earlier in the week, sir, it's been a real team this week. Absolutely. Tommy was saying that um, he had a fry actually, every I li- day. I listened to it. To, I actually listened to it the other day. Yeah. <laughs> well, who hasn't listened to it? He's much of a character. <laughs> he was in good form, right? Um, and so that bit about the exercise, that like that's kind of been a bit of a sea change in the last 15, 20 years that actually working out, doing weights, that's all good for you because it creates a sustainable body as opposed to, um, you know, to starve, get down to the weights, ride the race, eat something after it. Yeah, and, and look, it's probably mental health boys too. It's, it's, it makes a big difference if you can obviously get out and exercise and uh, just, just being out in the open and doing something certainly... Uh, I prefer to do it that way anyhow than, than just sitting in the sauna or sitting in a bath or something like that. Given how successful you've been in Australia, is there a part of you that wishes you'd gone to Australia as like a 20, 21, 22 year old and, and just embraced that part of your life or has actually this all been perfect? You got to live in Ireland for as long as you did. You get to go to Australia now as a, as a more mature individual who's ready to make those commitments and those changes and understands what you need to do. Yeah, look, you always have, I suppose... I'm not really sure. Maybe I could have gone earlier, but who knows? It might not have worked out then either. Um, or maybe I should have been riding on the flat from the start and not worried about riding over jumps. But look, that will, that it, look, that's all water under the bridge now. It's just a case of um, things have worked out well. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to the next couple of seasons and hopefully can continue the way they were. 17 Group 1 wins, including the Victoria Derby in 2018 and the Cox Plate uh, for Joseph O'Brien just last October. So it's been a sensational career. I, you know, I don't want anybody to leave this to think you're you're going grand in Australia. You're doing really, really well. Yeah, yeah. I won the Derby this year as well. So, um, yeah, no, look, obviously I've had, um, look, I've, I've had, I've had good success. Obviously, look, been lucky enough to be, get on some good horses and um, look, winning the Cox Plate last year was obviously super for for Joseph, um, look, COVID might have played a part in that. Um, if it hadn't been COVID, you know he might have brought down one of his own jockeys. But um, look, luckily enough, he um, entrusted me with the riding it, and uh, yeah, look, it was great to win. Win, win one of obviously that class is probably one of the main races in Australia. So um, lucky enough to win it. Just just after the Melbourne Cup, in terms of popularity, that's the level it's at. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the yeah, class is probably I suppose uh, if you were to rate him. I'll go back to me jump 
10 days now at the Melbourne Cup might be like the Grand National and the Cox Plate is probably classed as the, maybe the Gold Cup so um, yeah look obviously look, it was a huge thrill to win and I'm um, very grateful for obviously Joseph and all his team to, to um, give me the opportunity he he um he won by a short head. Like did he did he strike you as the horse that um essentially was very close to winning and I'm right here, five group or grade ones in four different countries and three different continents. He was so close to achieving that. Yeah, look look he was um he was obviously a hor- like yeah, probably hadn't seen the best of the horse in Europe before. Obviously um he didn't run a lot as a three year old and Joseph travelled him to America and look he, he I was really impressed with that win. So, um, look, doing the form obviously for the race prior, he was definitely a horse on the on the upward curve. And um, look, he's proved since since the Cox Plate what a good horse he was. What a good horse he is. So, um, yeah, look, it was good to see him obviously go on and win in Royal Ascot and uh, probably get the recognition that he probably deserves. And so you're down for nine weeks. You've obviously a good bit of time left of, the, of those holidays before you go back. And then the new season just starts again and kicks into overdrive? Yeah, look, the season runs all year round, really. It runs like it's kind of, it's class. It goes from 1st of August to 1st of August, but um, it's winter time. It's winter time this time of year now. So it's probably as good as time as any to, to take a break. But um, look, they, they still rest every day of the week. And uh, once, you, once I get back early August, ideally, I should be probably going home a couple of weeks earlier, but uh, a couple of my friends of mine are getting married, so I'm going to hang around for that. And um, yeah, look back into which is essentially the spring carnival, which is probably the main racing carnival of the of the year over there. Uh, the way that technology has improved, it's not a bad time over the last decade to be living on the other side of the world with um, the improvements of it. And now everybody's smartphones and everybody's used to making video calls. Has homesickness been an issue for you over the years, or actually has it been okay uh, because of? Look, every now and again, you certainly do get homesick and there's certainly different things I miss. But uh, I suppose the fact I've been going well and been quite successful over there definitely helps. I think if I was um, probably struggling to get rides and um, things were going were, were a bit harder to come by, you'd probably be definitely more homesick. But um, look, I do enjoy getting home as much as I can. I normally get home once a year, but obviously with COVID the last few years, that, that, that's been a being a bit of an issue as you said look technology and stuff has, has come, in, come on in leaps and bounds so probably talk to your family as much now as what I would when, when I am at home but um, it's pretty the plane flight wasn't a bit shorter to be uh, yeah. a lot easier Tele, uh, Teleportation that's the only bit of technology that we were promised in uh, science fiction yeah. movies in the 50s that hasn't actually happened yet um, one last thing obviously you know in most sports the age you're at uh, late 30s mid 30s mid to late 30s uh, would be like, oh, what are you going to do when you retire? But when flat racing, like, you could go another 10 years here if you continue with the the diet and the regime you're on. Yeah, look, I'd certainly have um, no aspirations to retire yet. Anyway, um, I suppose as in flat jockey terms, I'm quite young yet. I'm only riding on the flat with seven or eight years. So uh, hopefully I have a few more years left in, left ahead of me anyway. So you don't need to think about a career yet or like what 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 your involvement in racing will be when you finish as a jockey or is that something that kind of you, you, you start now anyway? Yeah, look, look, I have an interest in, in look, I know nothing else but horses to be honest, I wouldn't be qualified to to stack shelves in the local shop even so, um, look, whatever I do after after racing, still be involved with horses anyhow and race horses so um, whether, I, whether I don't be training Pat or I'm not sure that's um, I don't I, I I think it's a hard job to get into and, and, and certainly takes a lot of time and hard work. So uh, 
look, I'm not fully sure. I haven't really thought about it, but um, whatever it will be, it'll definitely be involved in racing anyway, I think. Very good. So you're looking for rides in Galway at the Galway Festival and maybe in the Curragh before you head back, if, if anybody out there wants a championship winning, grade one winning jockey available. Very unusual to get yeah, a look, jockey of your talent just available. Yeah, there's plenty of good riders there. But um, yeah, look, hopefully I can pick up a few. Um, yeah, look, anything I can get will be much appreciated. But um, yeah, just looking forward now to enjoying the rest of my few weeks here and hopefully this um, good weather can um, last. Yeah, well, you brought it with you. Johnny, good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers. Thanks, Johnny. No worries, guys. Thanks for calling. It's uh, Johnny Allen there giving us some thoughts on the racing situation in Australia at the moment. Friday Night Racing is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie and the hashtag is every racing moment. Uh, Johnny Ward is staying with us. We'll be back after this. By Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland Love every racing moment Visit hri.ie Alright Friday Night Racing is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland Love every racing moment Visit hri.ie and the hashtag is every racing moment Uh, Johnny it's interesting to hear how things are run and done on the other side of the world and and what lessons can be learned Um, I know football were always interested in uh, Irish football certainly over the last half decade or so or even longer Noel Quinn has been talking about putting a levy on all gambling and maybe if people understood that there was a direct relationship between money that was ring fenced from the gambling firms and uh, it going straight back into sport it would be cleaner and more obvious to people yeah see the the racing industry um is funded on an anachronism really where uh, for years for time immemorial really people bet on horse racing and not much else um in these shores anyway so the betting shop was literally a smoke filled room um the cliche was true and you went in and you backed a horse you probably couldn't even watch the race but that's what you did you did not go in uh, to bet in running uh, on a women's football match uh, which you do now increasingly at the expense of racing really or certainly in, in terms of the racing share of the pie, um, it's getting far smaller. And I mean, if I if I put up a horse in the racing post, say a horse to Little Yank who um, is running tonight, I put him up in the paper in the racing post at like six to four or something like that. Um, so I got the price a little bit wrong. But all the bookmakers, essentially all the bookmakers went four to one. And the reason they all went four to one is because they're essentially copying the first person to go up. So odds compilers are no longer in existence. And bookies basically are putting all their efforts into models and moving away from human interaction and moving away from racing in some respects. So they want more money on other sports because it's easier to make money than racing, basically. So racing um, is not entitled to the, the money it's, it's gotten off, off the levy and the governments um, the way it was because people are betting on other sports. And I don't think anyone can argue that um, someone betting on the women's Euros, um, that money should go into racing. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It should go into like funding you know, women's soccer or, you know, basically football in general. So we've, we're going to have issues in this country because government will will not, for time immemorial, be a, a massive backer of racing. So we do have to look to other countries. Um, and Australia is definitely one that I think we uh, could, could learn some things off. And the bookmakers could as well, where they actually have to lay bets on racing in some jurisdictions such as New South Wales. That was interesting, wasn't it? That's like, mm. a, that would, that would um, put a proverbial cat amongst the pigeons. 
Yeah, well, the, the the bookmakers like they've been able to get away with like with with basically whatever they want to do. I mean, I'd uh, you know I I work in the bookmaking industry as well myself, and um, so maybe people accuse me of being a hypocrite. But like the inability to lay bets to people who are literally winning a few quid um, is pathetic, really. And if you read Aaron Rogan's book about Paddy Power, it'll give you a good example of the industry. So it's like you know, essentially in Australia, we, we certainly could go down that route in terms of like just making it a bit more equitable, I think, and a bit fairer because I think a lot of people are put off betting on horse racing now because bookies just don't want to lay bets anymore. All right, that's a, a long-running theme of the show here and we've been talking about it a good bit. Let's talk about the actual racing over the course of the weekend. Uh, busy few days ahead for Tote with the two-day Judmont Irish Oaks meeting at the Curra this weekend. And a Tote sponsor card at Ballonrobe on Monday. Ballonrobe's race day starts at half five with the Tote Always SP or Better claiming race, the first of seven Tote races. And as usual, the Tote Always SP or Better guarantee will be available at the Curra, Ballon Robe and all Irish race courses. See tote.ie for more. So for um, casual racing fans, Johnny, where does the Judmont, uh, the Oaks meeting, where does this fit in the kind of calendar? Is this an end point for some of the really good horses? Is this a staging post for some of the uh, progressive horses? What's the story? Well, it's basically um, the you know the equivalent of uh, the Derby for fillies. Ironically enough, Tuesday, who would have um, probably been yeah, she would have been favoured for this. I think uh, she would have been favoured for this definitely. Um, she went to the Derby, which was unusual because uh, Aidan O'Brien just didn't feel that his Colts were good enough to beat Westover, and it turned out she wasn't either. Um, but this is basically the Derby for fillies, otherwise, and um, it's not a great renewal. I think the average uh, renew the average rating is one hundred and three, so it's. For Group 1 standards, it's not very deep, but Magical Lagoon um, is favoured on the back of winning at Royal Ascot. Um, I think she's <laughs> uh, trying to get money off the bookmakers. They will lay you a bet on this uh, because it's, it's a Group 1 or whatever. They should lay you a bet. She's odds against her. I mean, I, I really struggle to see how she's beaten. Jessica Harrington's stats, just looking at this, um, for the month of, she had a very poor April, slightly better in May. In June, when Royal Ascot was running in Ireland, she had 11% strike rate. So far in July, her strike rate is 26%. She's winning with everything at the moment. So Magical Lagoon is probably in 10% better form than she was at Ascot when she found loads for pressure after looking beaten. She loved the Curra. Um, and as much as, it's a bit like the Derby. I don't think it's a great renewal, but I really fancy a horse in the race, and it's Magical Lagoon. Okay. Um, where will we see these horses later in the year then? Um, it's kind of hard to know. Like if she, if she were impressive, she could come back for the Irish Champion Stakes. Could easily run in the arc as well. Three-year-old fillies can definitely win the arc, such as Zarkava. They get a nice fillies allowance to get a nice three-year-old allowance. And um, I would say Jessica Harrington, who's quite a, a an ambitious trainer um, and is happy to send horses around the world. I would say that is something that appeals to her if she wins well tomorrow, because obviously she'd probably need to desert crown and um, who would have been give or take would have been favored for the arc or thereabouts he suffered a setback so maybe the race can cut up a little bit and um, the french derby winner he looks a good horse he doesn't look an amazing horse he scrambled home in the eclipse uh, albeit a good renewal of the race so you'd imagine that the good horses here could go to um something like the arc if even maybe in the champion stakes in terms of the the also runs in the race i mean as i said the ratings are 103 on average she's rated 109 so most of them aren't really up to proper Group One company in the first place. This is the Derby distance, right? It's the yeah, and it's like it's the exact same course and trip. And I mean, if you are going to the Curra tomorrow with the weather as it is, 
Um, it's going to be a great day out. I mean, a lot of people are complaining. They didn't have many complaints, I think, Derby Day, but one thing they were complaining about was it was really, really windy, and it was like, literally, like your drink was being blown out of your hands. It's windy in Ireland. What are you going to do? It does, but tomorrow is like, there's basically, I think it's very little wind. Anyone who's... Uh, Who's apt to like do exercises and looks looks at the wind? They'll be very happy this week because it's just it's always windy in Ireland, but it isn't at the minute. Okay, that was you complaining about it being windy. Was that was that? Was that a... No, no, but it was it was a genuine complaint. It was like the Curra is a very open track, so like and the stand the stand doesn't it doesn't really um, help you. And the wind is completely open both sides and. But, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, in terms of climate change, I think the wind is, isn't something we should be that worried about at the moment. Uh, there are, it seems, uh, other things frying us as opposed to uh, the wind at the moment. Right, anything else over the course of the weekend people should be looking out for? Um, th- that's about it. It's like, it's a really good card. Obviously, Killarney continues. Um, beautiful racetrack down there. And then, um, I mentioned the field size issues. You look at the field size in Britain tomorrow, it is worrying, Ger. And then, obviously, into you mentioned Ballon Robe on Monday. Uh, crack and crack and racetracks well lovely lovely scenic racetrack and a brilliant place to go racing and no harm to remind the locals as well uh, which Connacht teams in the All-Ireland on Sunday week I'm sure you, you will have enjoyed it and we'll enjoy it there it, it is great and um, we've been there obviously uh, it's a Monday evening it's glorious weather uh, it's going to continue into Monday so a good thing for you to get out and do this weekend Friday Night Racing and Off the Ball is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland love every racing moment visit hri.ie we'll see you next week at 3 o'clock on all our social channels and of course at 8pm on Friday evening until then take care Friday Night Racing on Off the Ball brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland love every racing moment visit hri.ie